When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to be successful. I, 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 you know, success for me is passion. It's, it's the excitement. It's, it's uh, creating these great things. There's a difference between a dream chaser and a dream catcher. Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Catchers Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the grand pleasure of having Brett Kruger with me today. Brett, how are things in your neck of the woods? Good. All good here, man. Everything's great. I'm in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and I travel to Asheville quite a bit and the mountains. I kind of developed property right in our region, but all good. I met Brett on LinkedIn and we've been following each other for like a year or so. And I'm just seeing all this stuff happening. And he's like, we just finished the, like close the hotel deal. I'm like, what in the world's going on? Like, I got to find out more about this. And so it's not a very good introduction, but why don't you do me a favor and tell the listeners a little bit about you and how they can get in touch with you after they hear this amazing journey about you. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, my name is Brett Kruger. Uh, so uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I, I just got 15,000 followers actually this morning. So so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. But uh, and my projects are, like I say, around really Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, really around, you know, like the uptown. I've done some stuff. And then uh, in the past, you know, I did the Ivy's Hotel in downtown. And then I did the Windsor Hotel, Boutique Hotel in Asheville. And so, you know, man, I do like condos, I do hotels, I do just all kinds of different, uh, just all kinds of different projects, you know, things that really inspire me, you know? And so, so some projects I don't, I don't continue with, I might start them, get them approved. And then I may sell them if it's something that I'm just not passionate, excited about, you know? So that's, that's what keeps me working so hard. I have to have passion in all the projects. So did you start out in real estate or like, Give me the journey from high school to today. I mean, that picture behind you is insane. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's a, uh, I say that's a uh, Dominic Besser. That's like the painting, and there's like lithographs of this like around the world and everything. So, but I love this piece, man. I, you know, art really inspires me. 
you know, in, in our hotels and a lot of stuff I do, we'll do like a local artist or I'll do reclaimed stuff, you know, from early 1900s. Yeah, I, I love taking art that maybe people have just kind of forgot about. You, you think these artists have, have passed away, but to, to be able to uh, continue, you know, enjoying that art. I mean, that's just, that's probably every artist's dream, right? I mean, you know, so I really like, I really like that. But yeah, so, so I uh, kind of was born in Southern Illinois and, uh, and then I uh, moved to Gastonia, I think it was like a 13 suburb of uh, Charlotte. And uh, so my dad was actually in building. And, and so, yeah, I graduated high school there. I did the normal thing, right? Went to college and, you know, I went to Belmont Abbey for a couple of years, but, you know, I was like a C student, you know, and I, I never was really into school that much, you know? And so I, it's funny uh, because you think, if you're not in school, maybe you're not smart, you know, or something. So you, you grow up kind of with this thing. And I think I carried that into probably into my thirties, you know, uh, where I always thought I had to work harder because I wasn't maybe as smart, but I said, you know what, if you're not as smart, you can, you can work harder. So I worked hard, but man, all, all that knowledge and everything that you gained from working so hard, you have a memory of, of things you've overcome and you know, obstacles you've overcome and, and you get great knowledge and, and I think I think then in my 30s I started feeling also smart, right? So, <laughs> so I figured you know pairing that with hard work, you know, I, I thought I could become successful. But you know, I left I left Belmont Abbey after two years because I just figured I wasn't very inspired by education. I didn't know career wise what I wanted to do. And so crazy enough, I got a job on cruise ships. And so so I started traveling around the world and. Uh, I started seeing all these other countries and really opened opened my mind. That's something I even carry today because I mean I almost have something in common with everybody I meet, right? You know, we travel and stuff. That's a great thing to do at a young age, you know. So, but all that travel, you know, I collected things. Uh, I mean, I have so many great memories, and uh, that that became I think a big part of my life now was that early travel, like in my twenties, and and so. Then I, I, I got off the ships and uh, got into real estate. And so I was in real estate down in South Florida around Fort Lauderdale. You know, that, that, that'd be the first one of like my red pill moments, right? Is, is I think, uh, you know, this guy kind of inspired me. He's an instructor. He said, man, you can't, I was taking continuing education after the cruise ships. And I said, yeah, I think I'll get into real estate. He goes, well, you can't just get into real estate. You have to have a career that you're doing. And then you slowly get into real estate. I was like, I was like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure I could do it. <laughs> so, so the guy starts yelling at me, the instructor starts yelling at me saying, you're going to fail. I was like, okay. So I did, I just jumped head first in real estate with no really very little money saved. And, you know, I think I, I think I had like $45 in my account when I had my first closing. And so, so, you know, you don't want to call the parents for money or anything. Right. So, but I made it. <laughs> So, so, and then I wound up going back and working for my father for a few years, you know, and so, so that was early on, you know, into, into my thirties, you know, so my dad had a uh, building company in Charlotte. He's one of the largest builders in the Charlotte like area. And so I worked for him for, I guess I worked for him for, uh, yeah, about five years. And then, yeah. So, all right, this is wild, right? I've never talked to anybody who's worked on a cruise ship unless I was on one. So tell me, how in the world do you decide that you want to go work on a cruise ship? And then what do you do for work on a cruise ship? 
Well, so I had my my cousin actually was working uh, in a department called like the crew staff. And if you crew staff, you're basically a host to the passengers. So you kind of get moved around, man. Uh, you become like you, you get on the microphone and host an event. Then you'd be at the, uh, you know, the parties and you're just like a host at the parties. And so you just and, and you go on a lot of the shore excursions when you get to the islands and stuff, you know, so. You just kind of hang out with these uh, with the passengers and everything, right? So, so she got so she got me into that. It's funny I put in a you know thinking, you know, I was probably going to spend the rest of my life in the area. And I was like, well, I'll just put this resume out there. What the heck? And that week they had a big turnover on the ship. They're like, hey, we need you right away. <laughs> so I was like, oh my god. So, so I did. I think I put in. I didn't, I didn't even tell my girlfriend at the time. Like I didn't even tell her that I put in this this uh, you know job application. But I think I put it in on a Thursday and they called me like the next day and said, hey, we need you Sunday. It's I uh, flew down to Miami. I think I was 21 years old. And then I, I so I got on the ships and, you know, I would be on the microphone. I'd host shows. And I noticed that a lot of the technical people, like the stage managers and stuff, were making more money and the DJs. Right. So I was like, yeah, I could do that. So I, I learned to DJ and then I DJ for a while. And then the stage managers were making more money. So I was like. I could do that. But, but the thing is, is that the stage managers have like two years of technical experience, right? So you look at this big soundboard, right? You got like hundreds of knobs, all kinds of stuff. And these people trained for two years. I was like, yeah, I could do that. So I did. I just basically on the job trained. And then I got hired later with Cunard Cruise Lines. I did the uh, world cruise on the QE2 and traveled around the world. And uh, <laughs> it's a crazy life. Wow. Did your girlfriend make it or did she get the boot? Uh, no, no we, 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 we split up and got back together a few times and then, uh, you know, uh, that deal died. So, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Then you tell me about this first deal. So you buy the deal in Fort Lauderdale. You have 45 bucks left after closing. Like how, how do you pull that off? Well, that was, so that was just, I was an agent, right? So I just had, I just got a commission. I just got, you know, like a $5,000 commission, you know, and in real estate. And so, you know, lucky enough, I had another one closing right away. And, you know, I mean, when you're twenties, man, you can live cheap. You know what I mean? You live by yourself. Nobody knows you're eating ramen noodles every night. Nobody knows you're eating macaroni and cheese every night, you know? So, so, you know, for two years, um, I was really successful in real estate and I, I was kind of on a team where I was like a buyer's agent with that. That's a common term. Now that wasn't so common back like in the nineties when I started like mid nineties, it was kind of a new thing to be just a buyer's agent, right? Normally a realtor did everything. So I was either going to leave that team. I didn't really know what to do. And my dad came down and he was building Charlie. He said, man, if you're going to be in real estate, he goes, why don't you come work for me? You know, I got a large company and everything. And so I did, I came back and worked for him in sales. But, you know, I, I did it for the money because I thought I could make more money. But that's, that's the one thing you have to define it as your life goes. I mean, more money isn't really chasing your dream or success, right? I mean, you, you could kind of go backwards, you know, just chasing more money. And I, that's kind of what I did for five years. I didn't really advance, you know, in my, in my dad's company and everything, you know. But. So you came back to the family business, did some selling. How how did you enjoy that? And it seems like you were kind of running away from that only to come back to it. And I mean, you stuck. You're in the Charlotte area now. So 
you probably didn't leave, but talk to me more about the desire to kind of run away and then come back. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to kind of get away and get out there in the world and, and, and see, uh, uh, see some things, you know, I mean, that's, that's the one thing when pe- people feel uninspired, they really need to get out there and see things. Right. And then you get inspired, you know, and, and, and you realize things that you want, you know? So, and that's, that's kind of what happened for me. You know, I remember, I remember the people I was working with down in Florida, they said, Hey, you go, get something that inspires you, put it on your desk. So I put a Viper. I wanted a Viper, man. I love the Dodge Viper. It was like my favorite car. So I got a model of one and I set it on my desk. Right. And so I started staring at, I would stare at that car during the day. And I said, man, this thing inspires me. And it's like, then when my dad calls, he said, Hey, Look, he says, uh, you know, you come work for me, make more money. You know, I was like, I can afford that car. So, so what they got to inspire me is what made me leave. <laughs> All right. So, so I came back that, like I said, I worked for my dad for about five years, you know, and I didn't really advance in that company. I didn't work directly under him. You know, I worked uh, one of his uh, branches and, and kind of in my twenties, you know, you're, you're in that thing where you're like, I don't really want to manage. I don't want to be responsible for things. I'd like to just make a sale, make a commission. You know, that'd be great. But what happens is I think eventually you, you start to, even the managers there and everybody, you know more than everybody, you know? And so, you know, eventually I, he sold his company and, and I left and I went to work for, the, for these other guys. They don't had 10 sales in two and a half years. And I went to work for these guys and and I, I took them from worst in Charlotte doing townhomes to like number one. We did like 34 townhomes in one year. And then I was like, okay, I do know what I'm doing. You know, and like right after that happened, it's funny. One of the owners came in and he says, hey, Brett. He said, I said, what, what are you doing here? He says, hey, I'm coming down. I'm moving my stuff down. I'm going to be your uh, manager. I said, I turned this place around and took it to number one. He said, no, I did that by hiring you. So that... All of a sudden, like my mind switched in that it's safe to work for people. That's the safety thing. And, and there was a switch that day when I was like, you know what, man? It is not safe to work for people, right? Because you're under their control. What's safer? So all, all of a sudden that day, I think I was like 31 years old. It seemed safer to me to go on my own than it did work for somebody else. So. Man, that's like a gut punch, right? And that's the thing I hear most from folks who are in sales. It's like, look, man, like I'm doing all the work and I only get a very, very, very small piece of the reward. I'll never forget when I got that whopping $30,000 bonus after going and creating $6 million worth of profit for the company that I was building the division for. And it's just like, oh man, there's something really wrong with this. And, you know, I don't need to do $20 million in revenue, but I, I can do something, right? That will will reward me a little better than what I was getting. So I, I appreciate you sharing that story. And But the wisdom there in the, in the guy's perspective, right? I own it, right? I mean, I, I did that. I, I made the decision. And I gave you the opportunity to prove yourself. Now, it's deflating and probably poor leadership for him to say what he said to you. But, I mean, as owners of businesses and so on, I think there's a there's a lesson to be had there. You know, and they always say when, when one door closes and, you know, I think I think on the spot, I tried to quit like on the spot. I mean, that's how emotional and upset I was about the situation. 
it's the one of the other partners talked me into staying. And, you know, I had like my son was one year old. I'd only been married a couple of years at that point, man. So, I mean, it's scary. I mean, it was you talk about a gut punch. It was really scary. So I I decided I said, you know what, I'm going to look around. Right. And like right when I thought that, you know, one of my friends calls me like either the same day or the next day. And he says, hey, he's he's in business for himself. And he says, look, I uh, he says, I'm great on sales. He says, but when I get really good on sales, he goes, I have to run the back end of the company. He goes, I lose the back end there. He goes, then when I get really focused on running the business, I lose all my sales. You know, he goes, why don't we partner up? You know, and I said, I said, it's a great idea. So, so me and him started just a few months later, we started a company and, uh, and, and, and building and man, I risked everything. Like I risked everything. I, I went into credit card debt. Every time those things would come in the mail, you know, about credit cards, you know, I had great credit score and I was like taking max amounts of money I could. And so crazy enough with no backing or anything, uh, we were, we, we bought 40 acres of land and we were able to put a road in. And I mean, it took all of our money and like, like right at the end, again, like I pushed it to the limit. I think I was down to just a few thousand dollars left. You know, I mean, I had, a, I had a house on the lake. I had a, a family, I had a son now that was you know, uh, just, just over a year old and, and, and we were running out of money and, you know, we had our first closing and then we had another closing. And then, I mean, next thing you know, six years later, we had like $50 million worth of assets, you know, and whoa. So, you know, so, so you're like, and I remember in 2007, I'm like, man, I'll never have to worry about money again. And then 2008 came. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, I basically lost that company, lost, lost all of it. You know, I had to, had to start again. But you had all the experience though, right? Like that's. Yeah. And it's crazy. You know, you know when you, when you run your own company and you, and you really run the whole thing and you're, you, I mean, you got accounting experience, you got sales experience, you got finance experience, you got development, you've got home building experience, you know, we're building like hundreds of homes and, 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 and when you got all this experience, you're like, it's hard to just go apply for a job somewhere, right? I mean, what do you even apply for? What are you, you know? You know, you become a business owner. And a business owner, you know, you go on LinkedIn or you know, nobody's looking to hire a business owner, you know what I mean? Uh, so you're like, what path do I go? Where do I go? What do I do? And so there, there were some guys uh, in, in Miami that contacted me through a friend and they had sold a company you know, for 160 million and, and they had cash, right? But they, they're they a little bit older. They didn't really want to manage uh, a company in, in day-to-day operations and all that. And they were in Florida. They wanted to invest in North Carolina. And so I, t- I took that expertise that I had because I mean, I was used to running every part of a company, right? You know? And so, so I had the expertise, I had knowledge and contacts. And then, uh, you know, we formed a, formed a company together and then, then I started doing, you know, we did, one of them was a very patient investor. Um, he was a doctor. So he's used to doing cap rate returns, right? Normal stuff. The other brother was an inventor, right? So he wants to put a little bit of money in and have a, a huge return. So the company was kind of pulled back and forth all these directions all the time. But I got, man, I got so much knowledge. I mean, we were doing, buying uh, strip centers and then I was extending leases and and then getting better cap rates on those. And, and then we were building residential condos, you know, and then we did our first hotel, actually did our first hotel by accident. 
because we were going to do condos and then turn it into a hotel in downtown Asheville. So that's wild. I think the one thing a listener should know is like just because you have a ton of assets doesn't mean that you're liquid, right? And you can't spend equity, contrary to popular belief. Um, and you know that part of you know real estate and financial catastrophes and a lot of stuff will end up outside of your control. But you talked about what I call being unemployable, right? You get to this place where you're used to making the decisions and going from making the decisions to not making the decisions is a really tough pill to swallow. Um, And then the other piece of it is you've got skills that are really hard to like be valued on, right? If, if you're a business owner and you're doing thousand dollar or $10,000 tasks, and then somebody wants to pay you $50 an hour, you're like, well, what's the point? And, you know, to say that, I mean, that's, a lot of money for a lot of people. $50 an hour is a lot of money for a lot of people, but there's a whole group of people out there who ask, how can you live off that? And once you are used to doing transactions, doing deals and getting those hits, it's kind of uh, sobering to think of living in a different space. So I appreciate you you sharing that. And you, you went through the red pill moment where the guy comes down and says, I hired you, right? And you knew then that you were done. It was just a matter of when, not if. You were done, right? Absolutely. So you, you've also shared a few of the challenges along the way. 2008, I think, was tough for everybody. Um, but the question that you haven't answered yet that I'm super curious about is, what's been your worst fear in this whole process? My, my worst fear is always basically, I was, I was always, I fear, you know, security. Like, uh, like I want to, uh, have enough money to live, right? To pr- provide for my uh, family and stuff. You know, I got I got divorced after 2008, and so man, you got like child support. I mean, that's an actual payment, right? That you can, you got to have. And when you lose it, everything. I mean, that's that's a scary thing, right? So so you know, you, you, it's so funny how you're so macro and you got all these developments, you got all this stuff, and you get so micro into okay, I need this much money to survive on every month, you know, you know, that that's basically where it goes to, you know, but I think just not being able to provide for myself, family, and, and, and I always feared not having that college education, which now I think is really one of my greatest strengths, to be honest, you know, because the, the more people I meet that, that have really uh, uh, graduated college, gone through the whole system, they, most of them have like just one way of thinking, you know what I mean? And, and, and when they're in twenties and thirties, and a lot of times they get out of that, they become successful later. But that, that education is just so entrenched into their mind of a way of doing things, you know? And so anyway, but, but yeah, I, I think, I think that's my, that was basically that, that was my greatest fear is, is not having something to fall back on. Just like I said, I mean, what do I do? What, <laughs> well, I did everything, right? So what am I? So that's the thing, like in my, uh, so, so, so I think in, in, in 2011, when I, I went to work with these guys, I, I said, look, you know, I want like a partnership, but it was a limited partnership. Right. So, so dur- during that time, I, I, uh, wound up, you know, going, I mean, I was going all over Asheville, we were in Atlanta, Florida, Texas, Colorado, we were looking for deals. And so they gave me a salary and gave me kind of like a base salary. Um, while I was able to, uh, you know, get, get a piece of the deals as, as, as we went forward and all that. So, but, uh, it was, I mean, it's, it's always scary. And, and then I left them, you know, uh, in 
2018, I actually left that group and went on my own again. And, you know, again, I mean, it was, it was scary doing it, but I think it's more scary working for somebody else, you know? So, so, you know, now in, in, the, in the last like two and a half years since I've left them, I guess I'm working on eight, you know, eight different projects right now. So, you know, and then, you know, I lost a lot of my contacts too, while I was with them doing specific things. So I started to put those back together. And uh, this last year in quarantine, you know, when we were quarantined or staying home because of uh, the virus and everything, it's been great to LinkedIn. That's why I'm usually out at parties, meeting people, dinners, like I'm a real connector, you know, I mean, I really like to connect. So it's been really cool just to be able to be home and be on LinkedIn, right? And meet such great people. Yeah, I think the contacts I've met this year on LinkedIn are, you know, definitely better than uh, one year's time going out socially meeting people, you know, so. What's up, Tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. So, Brett, you know, you that was your worst fear was not being able to take care of yourself and your family. How'd you break through that? Because, I mean, when you're out there hunting for yourself, you might not find anything in the woods, man. It's happened to me a few times, you know, I mean, like, uh, you know, everything, even when I left uh, MRK, when I left this uh, last group, you, you get to a point where. Um, you, you put so much time and effort and that's why I tell people to, to get inside my head. I'm like, you know, you know, like I push so hard and I, I think sometimes people get really upset with me in business, you know, they, they don't get it. And sometimes I'll tell them, I'll say, look, man, being a real estate developer, you know, 365 days a year, I get one or two paydays, right? I get one or two paydays, 363 or 364 days a year. I don't get paid, right? There's no check coming on Friday for me, you know, everything's on the line, you know, and, and, and when you, when you, when you kind of risk everything, you got these projects, I mean, they have to work. This isn't just, uh, uh, you know, just, just another deal uh, where you're maybe, you know, the, the, the financer or something, if it doesn't work, you got 10 other deals. I mean, you know, I mean, you're a real estate developer, man. It's all on the line. I mean, it's on the line every day for me, I feel like, you know, so. I mean, you're not limited by proximity, right? I mean, I've been able to jump in networking events all around the world, basically. And that part is not something I would have done normally. So grateful for you sharing that. And yeah, I I do think once you learn that you can deliver, betting on somebody else delivering versus betting on yourself is super scary. You want the ball in your hand. You want to be the one at the end of the game, taking the game winning shot not depend on somebody else to do it. So was there a point when everything was on the line? Now you, you do feel like everything you have is on the line every day because, because just like I say, you have to forecast how much money you have for each one of the projects, how much you, you need to survive when you got to get paid. You know, I mean, I, I, t- I, t- I knew a guy, this guy was uh, Grady Sanders, was Colonel Sanders' grandson. Okay. And this guy would go build casinos and he would, he was out West, uh, uh, real kind of like Desperado cowboy kind of cool guy, you know, but he, uh, man, he'd build these casinos and he'd have everything. Like they would go down to where they couldn't even go out and eat. Like they had no money. 
And then all of a sudden he'd sell it like $15 million. But then he'd do it all again. He'd put it all out there. So, so as, as you get older, I would say that there, there's certain things I've seen or been involved in that you don't want to risk everything um, anymore. Right. You know, um, people say to me all the time to say, Hey, should I uh, stay in this deal, Brett? What do you think? Uh, um, you know, the uh, new buyers asked me to stay in the deal. I'm like, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it depends on the deal. I mean, it's not always the greatest thing. I mean, you basically are risking everything that you just made on that property and put together. You're risking that somebody else knows what to do, you know? And so, you know, but I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, I, 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 if I get a check every Friday, I feel like, I just feel like I'm not my own person. I just, I just feel completely different than most people. I, I don't, I don't feel safe that way. You know, I, I guess it maybe took that incident for me in my thirties that, that, that check coming every Friday, I just don't feel safe. I just feel like that check could be cut off. Somebody else has to sign it. Somebody else has to have the money. You know, I, I feel like I need to be the guy, you know, to make sure that money is there, you know? It's crazy. Cause so few people realize that. And I, I tell people that they're addicted to the paycheck, right? That thought that in two weeks, I'm going to get the thing, right? I'm going to hit that, get the direct deposit, hit the account. But no, you, you got to become, if you're going to do this in particular, and it's cash intensive too. Like, it's not like you get two paydays and you only spend money two days a year. Like, no, you, you're dripping out and it's going the wrong way for a long time, but hopefully if you do it right, it goes out and then the tidal wave comes back, the tsunami comes back and you're flush with cash. But the other piece of this business is as soon as you get cash, you got to get it back out because if it's not working, then you're not going to make any money in the future. And it's this cycle. So I appreciate the transparency on that, Brad, because most people won't be willing to share that type of stuff. Oh, I'd say, I'd say probably the, the biggest difference for me is, is, is a lot of that time I did worry about survival, right? <laughs> you know, like I worked so hard because I was so scared, you know, and the problem is, is, is that feeling, right? Is a great thing. It motivates you, but it also motivates you maybe not to be your best. It, it motivates you to uh, make sure that you provide for that security. And that's what, makes you, you know, work for somebody else or something. Right. I mean, I mean, now I've, I've really grown as a person and yeah, traveling, like going over to Paris, you know, and we decorate the hotels with like uh, stuff from the flea markets and I have all these passions and excitement. That's kind of the thing. It's like the needle has moved from, uh, it was over here to, Hey man, you need security. You need security. You got to work every day. Now the needles move to that passion is what gets me to work so hard every day, right? I want to create these great things. I've, I've, I've seen customers buy things from us. I, I've, um, they're so happy. I've seen the enhancements I've done on properties and, and I know I can do it. You know, it's a confidence is a memory of success, right? So, so, you know, I've had success and, uh, and, and so it's that kind of passion and, and that excitement that really gets me going. And, and I mean, still, I'm still afraid to fail, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more afraid not to be successful than I am to fail, you know? Ooh, say it again. I'm more afraid of, uh, not being successful than I am of failure, you know? 
honest to God. I mean, that's, that's the absolute truth. I, I want to be successful. I, 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 you know, success for me is passion. It's, it's the excitement. It's, it's uh, creating these great things, you know, and failure. I failed before, man. And it's really not that bad. I'm going to tell you, even when a lot of people think they failed later on when they're rich and successful, they go, you know, that time when I failed was working so hard. That was the greatest time of my life. Right. You, how many, how many times have you heard that? You've heard that before. Probably. Yeah. It feels like the world's going to end. And I mean, I think about, you know, my kids are eight and 11. Right. But I remember when they were six, six months, one year old and like, you could do something and it was like the world was going to end. You scream at the top of the lungs, like, you can't believe this is going to happen. And then they come back down the roller coaster and then they're happy and they're smiling. And it's a matter of a few seconds. I'm like, what in the world? But that's the way that I think we tend to do things as adults. We, we go up, especially entrepreneurship, and then we're back down. And it's like, it's never going to get better. And then we're back up. It's like, this is the greatest thing in the world. And then we're back down and, the reality is like, if you keep going, you're always going to go back up. Right. I mean, there's always some form of recovery. You can always get back to the spot. So I'm with you a thousand percent on that. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you most grateful for now? I'd I'd say, to be honest, the fact that I did take a risk, I mean, in life and that I, did get to the position that I I'm in right now. You know, I'm in a, a great marriage. I got, I got a great wife. I, I think, I think I'm most grateful that I didn't get jaded by any failures or past things that I wasn't successful at. I didn't get jaded. Right. I worked harder, you know, and I didn't figure, well, that's not for me or, or something. I mean, I just kept working through it. You know, I'd, I'd say it's probably, you know, my, my mindset, is what I'm probably most grateful for, you know, and, and then of course, obviously, I mean, my family, my great family, I got I have a son and we got two uh, stepkids with my uh, uh, wife now and, and, and my life, I mean, I'm surrounded with, I showed you before my, uh, my room in there, you know, my den of like all these great memories. Uh, that's been something really important to my success is I think sometimes, you know, we are so focused on what's in front of us, right? And, and it's a great thing to have. I mean, every super successful person I've ever met basically has some form of OCD, right? So you just completely concentrate on something. But And that's great when things are good. But when things go bad, it can be a very bad, uh, tormenting thing to have that OCD, you know? And so so I will, I will tell you, like the room I built in there where I've done all these successful things, I got pictures of my travel and all these things that I love, I can go back in that room and I'll almost detoxify from whatever failure or anything I've had. And I almost get back to a, uh, uh, you know, a middle ground. But I, I think that's so important for people to have just photos and memories of success, something tangible that they can actually open and look through, right? <laughs> you know, a room they can be in of, of great memories they've had because, because sometimes you can't, you can't get there, man. I mean, you can't get out of your, your, your most recent failure, your problem. Love it. Love it. When I need to recharge, I go to my parents' house. They have my room set up the same way it was when it was in high school. And I just go in there, I look at the trophies, and I look at all the certificates and awards. And I'm like, okay. I know I, I've been doing this a long time, and 
you know, just because this didn't work out exactly as I expected it to, it doesn't mean that I, I don't have this track record and that I can continue that track record in another way. So that's awesome, man. And I, that's one thing I've learned is, is, is really, honestly, when, when people get to the destination of what they think is success, so many times they go, man, the journey was so much better. Like the journey that we're in right now, like chasing these things passionate about what we do and everything. I mean, this really is success, right? You know, we're not necessarily chasing success. I mean, we're having it now through our journey, you know? Brett, what dream are you most focused on catching next? Well, I, I, I think, uh, I really, uh, like, like doing these, uh, you know, small boutique hotels and, and really providing experiences for me. Like I, I, or, or, or for others, I, my experiences and, and, and happiness and when things happen for me, it's great, but I really like to be involved in other people's lives, right? I like to, I, I get, you know, if I do something for somebody, you know, and, and make them happy, like I'm happier than when I do something for myself, you know? So, so I'm just that kind of person. So I really love like, like these projects on, on Lake Norman, I'm doing, it'll be a small boutique hotel. It's the first project to ever be done on Lake Norman, right? A hotel and, and resort development. We got it approved a couple of years ago and we closed on the property. But when I produce that project, I mean, you've got a hotel, this incredible little boutique hotel with spa fitness center and all that. And then we'll have 160 condos and those 160 condos, all those people can actually use, you know, the amenities from the hotel. But I mean, these people will have a great lifestyle. I mean, incredible. And and, and one thing I'm seeing in real estate is people will trade services for square footage, you know, when they have access to different services and things. And that's really what I'm excited about really creating is just great environments for people to live and, you know, share, share their lives. And, uh, you know, and then even those condos, you can actually, if, if you want to leave for six months and go travel, you can actually rent your condo out through the hotel. So you could actually have an income stream. So being in real estate for me, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a perfect thing for somebody, you know, it doesn't, doesn't just tie them down to one piece of real estate for that to pay every month. You know, they can actually make money on their place when they leave, but that's, you know, that's, I don't know. I just, that's the thing I'm most excited about right now, you know, uh, career wise is, is just creating that lifestyle for people where they're kind of free, they enjoy everything and then they can get up and travel and do whatever they want. Still pay for the place. Nice. Nice. And so, down to the final two questions. You may have already answered this one in the last answer, but I'll ask anyway. Brett, what gift are you giving the world? I, I think just uh, the quality of life. You know, I, th I think in the projects I do, I really, I really see people very happy. You know, in these in these uh, living in these developments, and that's that's the thing. I I want to get more. You know, uh, COVID has really kind of hurt like the charity events and everything that we we do, but. I love to do the uh, charity events and love to be involved in the, in the community and, and all that. But, uh, but I would say, I, I would say that's it. And, you know, I do, I talk to a lot of people on LinkedIn. I, I help people like all the time. I, I don't charge any consultant fee or anything. Like, like I just, people call me all the time. Hey, I want to do what you do. You know, what did you do? And so, you know, I, I love giving back and just talking to people and sharing my story. I mean, I, I don't, you know, if I can help somebody, I, that's what I love, you know? Beautiful. The gift of time and wisdom. So the final question, 
What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? Well, it, 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 crazy enough, it's it's something I haven't really talked about, but uh, but but I would really like. I, I think that now at my age, I, this is something I've learned over the years. That is the ingredient of success is that it is in the details and it is in uh, being completely honest and truthful on every single thing, every deal you're looking at. I mean, the honesty and the truth is uh, you hire a lot of times from like an appraiser. He gives you an honest, truthful evaluation of something through details, right? But but it's so many people look for ingredients of success and they read a book and they hear one thing, but it's not macro. Success is micro. You know, it's 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 a micro uh, steps of things. And, and you really got to ed- educate yourself. I, I always try and learn more. And you can go right on the Internet and, and learn more than people that have been in a career their entire life. I, I mean, in, in one week of reading, uh, you know what I mean, about, uh, uh, you know, I mean, of anything in the world. I mean, you can be like the most up to date of anybody. And so I think it's just in the details, man. It's in the truth and in the details of of you know every deal. I mean, you really you can get excited about a deal and stuff, but man, you got to look at the the ingredients of why that will be successful and, and look at the future. But I mean, that is that is the main thing, man. Is to is to mix your passion with direct details and try and you know. Um, in, 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 in everything really in your life and business, you know, it's just, just look at the details, man. I mean, uh, of, of everything and make sure that you're being honest with yourself. And, uh, you know, but I would say that's, that's the main thing I'd like to pass to, to people, you know? So, so what, what do you say in response to those folks who say, well, I'm, I'm a big picture person. I, I, I don't do well with the details. And that's great. I mean, that's great. If you're CEO of a company, and you have a lot of people that are great detail people under you, right? But I mean, if uh, if if it's just you, if if I see so many people that are macro thinkers, and that gets them, that gets the banking relationships, that gets all the things that that they need. Like there's old saying, I think, uh, you know, you, you cannot uh, manage what you cannot measure, you know. And, 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 and that's so, I think that's so important. I mean, you have to have a measurement for things. You can guess and be successful. You can go to Vegas and have a great night and have a great run at the tables. But, you know, eventually if you don't know the game, you know, you're going to get caught, you know. So there's another, there's another saying that, says, uh, that, that I always thought was great. It says a good attorney knows the law. A great attorney knows the judge. But I always say the best attorney knows them both, Right. Right. Because if you, you know, you, you might have the connections, you might have luck on your side, you know, might be a charismatic person. Everybody wants you to be successful. But man, if you don't get into the details of what you do and know what you do, eventually it's going to stop. That's super valuable, Brad. I, we've never talked about that on the Dreamcatchers podcast. So I'm so grateful that you were willing to bring your wisdom and knowledge to the listeners and just being so generous with your time. You could have been doing a ton of other things, but you chose to spend an hour with us today. So thank you so much. And we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Hey, guys, that wraps up this episode of the Dreamcatchers podcast. Until the next time, your dreams should be real. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.